Welcome sports fans to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don, with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JT and the Don at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys. Welcome to the next episode of JT and the Don. I am the Don Donato Bucci. And remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio app, and wherever you listen and find all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember to leave us a five-star review. Thank you to Nicole Thompson for the wonderful introduction and our guy, Mike Regina, for the great intro music as always. So let me bring in everyone's favorite JT, Jimmy Thompson. How you feeling today? Uh, you know what? I'm not even going to try to complain. I feel good, man. Back to back weeks doing the show. This is some kind of record. I don't know. I'm really surprised you were available for this one. You know, you being, you know, a big time busy head coach and all, you know, I didn't think you had time for this show anymore. But uh, here you're, you are. You're ridiculous. I'm, all right. All right. Cut it off. Cut it out. You know, you know what? I couldn't Cut ask it out. More. Two weeks in a row doing the show. Thursday night football is on. You know what? Hey, life is good. You know, you always take a long pause to answer and then you give some ridiculous answer. So can, can we just get started here? Yeah, because I know you want to. I'm pretty sure Urban Meyer is going to be somewhere in this show. Of course, that's all you want to talk about right now. So I want to talk about Urban Meyer. You already know how I feel about him, but I think you're telling on yourself. Well, you want everyone to know how you feel about him. So if you haven't heard over this past weekend, a video surfaced of Urban Meyer and a young female hanging out and dancing. The young female was not his wife. And this has caused quite the media circus around Urban Meyer and the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars played last Thursday night, so they were off during the weekend. Urban Meyer, JT, did not travel back with the team to Jacksonville. Instead, stayed in the uh, the state of Ohio, went to visit family and his restaurants where supposedly this may have occurred or nearby. So, JT, the big question now is, what should the Jaguars do? Well, clearly he wasn't staying for family issues or whatever that excuse is he gave. But I think what they should do, first of all, is they should find the shit out of him. Because if this were a player who, after a game, decided not to fly back home with the team and decided I had to stay for family reasons and then they were caught on TMZ grinding on some chick at a bar, the team would find him. So I think the coaches should be held to a higher standard, right? So if the players would get fined, in that situation, he should as well. And then I think, <laughs> which they kind of already are doing, but they need to admit that they made a mistake in hiring him and the Jags need to move on. I mean, he clearly does not want to be there. And it just seems at this point like he's trying to get the players to hate him so that they can fire him. So just grant him his wish and let him go. Well, I think you said it best there that they shouldn't have. I think we've discussed this and you know, I'm pretty sure I'm on the record saying they shouldn't have hired him in the first place. I, I was saying he's not going to last long because that's kind of what his history has shown. But JT, the, the Jaguars can't do much unless they fire him 
for cause. And in his contract, I don't really know if this is a reason for cause that'll get them out of paying the contract. Like they've made their bed. They now need to sleep in it. There's not an exact figure for his contract, but people are saying it was five years around 50 million. Think about that, JT. We're not even halfway through the first year. So if they can't fire him for, for cause, they would owe him 50 million. Now, I understand it's the NFL and there's billions going around, but I'll tell you what, 50 million, that's a lot of money to throw away because then, I mean, but, but then you have to go and hire. It's not. But then you have to go and hire someone. against the cap. Shad Khan well, is going to have to come out of pocket. Of, of course, but now you then need to turn around and still hire a coach. You're going to spend another three or $4 million a year on another coach. And that's at the lower, you know, the lower end. So, I mean, listen, the Jaguars should wait until either he resigns, which I think that'll happen before the, the end of next season. So he won't even get two years in or they can fire him for cause. And I don't know if this situation, while it is morally wrong, I don't really know. Again, we oh, don't yeah, know what it's yeah. called. And we, we forgot to mention the fact that he is married. <laughs> right. Like that's, that's why that, no, we no, should have led with we, that. That's the most important we, fact. Is we he's married it, and his wife had to get off of social media yeah. permanently because of this whole situation. Well, we did say it in the intro. It was not his wife. So, um, but I don't know if this is a reason to fire for cause. Yes, it is morally wrong. Absolutely. It's a bad look. It's, it's you know, a distraction to the team. But there's a lot of distractions to teams. So, like, what's the say then? What, you know, what wouldn't be? fired for cause then so it, this is a fine line and i don't know if the jack the jacksonville jaguars can do much except maybe what you said find him so jt I, I know this is definitely your question do you think he is self-sabotaging to get back into college football as a head coach yeah i'm really interested to see how you feel about this because as much as i know you don't like urban meyer as a pro coach I think you're going to try to give him the benefit of the doubt. But just based on his track record and how he moves, 100%, I think that this is what he's trying to do. And it's because not necessarily that I don't think he's enjoying the pros as much as, think about it, there are a bunch of, I would call them elite college positions that are either open or they're going to be open pretty soon. Like, think about it. When was the last time as a coach, that you had this list to pick from LSU, USC, UF, Miami. He could even, if he said he wanted to go back to Ohio state, they would probably consider it like all those places he could go to right now. And not to mention if one of the successful college coaches that are not one of these programs decides to bolt for the NFL, that's just another position open that he would be a top candidate for. So Meyer is not going to ever have an opportunity to choose from this many schools at this level again, like, cause he's going to be too old the next time something like this happens. So I definitely think it's on his mind to get back to college for this reason. I'm going to make a comment here about something you said, and I, I don't want it to go down this road. I'm just going to make the comment and then let me answer they this question. Well, no, you're, you're presuming a lot. Miami's going to fire the coach, Florida, LSU. Those are not no, no, guaranteed. No, 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 let me, let me, those let are me, not let guaranteed. Let me clarify by that. I said they're either open or they could become open for him. Like if Urban Meyer is available and he's interested in UM, oh, 
trust your little crush with Manny Diaz is over. Like he's gone. But again, okay. So let me answer the question then. No, he's not self-sabotaging. So everything you said so he's is, he, trash. is irrelevant. And the reason why he's not self-sabotaging to get back to college, he is self-sabotaging, but not to get back in college. You know why he's doing, you know why he's self-sabotaging though? Because they want him. He wants to be fired by them, not for cause. So that way he can make all 50 million by sitting at home and not having to work and deal with all these headaches because he's in over his head and he realized it right away. He thought, what did he think? This was going to be college? It's the NFL, Urban Meyer. Come on. So he is self-sabotaging, but it's to make the money. I like your answer. Did not think that you were going to go there. Can we just say we're both right? Yeah, Could he be doing both? Maybe. All right. Yeah, I guess it could be both. But the problem with both, the problem with both is there may be a pay difference, right? So if he makes 40 million at his next job, then Jacksonville may only owe him 10. So now he has to work for 40. You know what I mean? We complain over $10 million difference. Must be nice. All right. So JT, we've heard a lot of reports. He's lost the locker room. Guys don't believe him. Did he um, ever don't have re- it, though? <laughs> don't respect him. Well, at some point, so he did lose the locker room. Doesn't matter when. So why don't NFL players, particularly on this team, right, probably the worst team in the, in the NFL, why don't they respect him? Because, like you just said, it seemed like that from the beginning, that he didn't have their respect. I'm going to say this again, because I definitely said this to you on a show when it happened. This has everything to do with him signing Tim Tebow. And I think that killed any any credibility, the little bit that he had coming in. Because first of all, I think that NFL guys don't respect college coaches until they come in there and actually prove they can win. And then that's when you gain respect. That's how Matt Rule got his thing going in Carolina. Like, you have to win at the NFL level. Like, college is different. But signing Tim Tebow killed everything. And I told you this was going to happen, and it's playing out exactly how I thought it would. Not only did you give... Tim Tebow, who has never played tight end before, he hasn't been in the league in like a decade, gave him a shot to, to make the roster. He was going to make it the roster even though he played so bad in preseason. And I also said this, he chose to give Tim Tebow a shot to not only make the roster but possibly start when there are other guys on that team that are younger You could have developed them. They've been playing tight end their entire career. And you chose to give your buddy – the opportunity over the guys that probably deserved it more. And guys in that locker room and around the league looked at him sideways and was like, all right, cool. Like we keeping that in the back of our mind. And that is a major reason on why they don't like him just for that alone, because you can't show you're basically telling the guys in that locker room that my success on this team is not based on how our performance based on who, if you like me or not and optics, like, that's not going to fly. And look at it now. Tight end is a major hole in that offense. They have none. They had to go trade for uh, what's his name? Uh, Dan Arnold because they have no tight end. Imagine if they would have not given Tim Tebow all those reps at tight end. Somebody else could be helping them right now. Also, too, small reason why I think they don't they don't have any credibility for him is the whole thing, how he handled the Trevor Lawrence and Gardner Minshew thing in the offseason. Come on. It's Trevor Lawrence. These guys just spent 16 games last year regarding the Minshew. They know Trevor Lawrence is better, and plus you spent a number one pick on him. 
why overall, are they splitting reps over, with overall number one pick? Yeah. Yeah, why why are you splitting reps with a guy who won one game for us last year? And like guys look at that and be like, yo, dude, you don't know what you're doing. So I don't got no respect for you. <laughs> and Trevor is the reason why Urban wanted to go to the Jaguars. Let's face it, if they didn't have the number one overall pick, knowing they were going to get Trevor, he's never going there to, oh, no, to coach. No, no way. Minshew. I, I agree with everything you say or everything you said. Thank you. I know it, you you should be agree with everything <laughs> I say, just in general. Some oh, other man. things to add. No. Not really. Some other things to add along the lines of what you're saying. He's essentially a college coach who coaches them as if it is Ohio State. Again, these are millionaire guys that make more money than you. They don't want to hear that. Like, they don't want to hear that you're upset and you're in a terrible mood because you lost a preseason game. Right. Like this is this was the downfall of John Calipari at the Nets in the NBA. He coached them in the preseason. As it's as if it was college, he wanted them to dive on the floor to like risk injury for the preseason. And NBA guys were like, "Yo, I'm making millions. I'm not doing that in preseason game number two. Maybe if it's the Eastern Conference Finals game number two, I'll do that." So yeah, that's the yeah, way I mean, he that's the way he's coaching. Right. He doesn't have as much power as he did in college, right? In college, it's those a- kids needed to listen to him, needed to do what he said to make to get drafted, to make those, to make the millions. Whereas now they've already made the millions. And like, hit the nail on the head. And I think this is a, a the basic issue when it comes down. And I'm glad you brought up the Calipari example. That was really good. I think the biggest adjustment that college coaches have and they fail to realize is that difference between college and the pros is in the pros, you can, you can call it what you want to your relationship with players is a partnership. And the sooner you realize that, the that better, will help you succeed. The better off you Because they know it. Because guess what? If you don't have me, we can't win the games no matter what plays you call. And so I know it. You know it. You better act like we're on the same page. I'll listen to you as a coach, but we partners. In college, it's not the same way. And the other thing, too, is JT, he, he was caught in lies here. And, and he's been known to have kind of a suspect character when it, can't, when it comes to certain situations. In this now presented what's the, what's the, what's itself. What's the guy's name that he uh, that he had that he had to fire it? Uh, Zach Smith is that it? The guy that uh, was abusing his wife at Ohio State right. and followed where him he, around from Florida, like where maybe he knew about it through text yeah, messages, I, and then I mean, I, who's to say Urban Meyer wasn't out there, you know, with him like boys? Obviously, they doing the same thing. He had a bar where he knew everybody was going to have cameras and see him. Like this, Urban Meyer just seemed like he surrounded himself with terrible people. And people are, people notice that, and that's not a good look. And you go back, and now, like, I don't want to speculate stuff, but then when you go back and look, he deflects responsibility, accountability based on his actions to others. He brings up, oh, when Trevor Lawrence told me he was going to Vegas for a bachelor party, I got worried. Like, don't do anything wrong. Meanwhile, that wasn't the question. Like, they were focusing the question on you and your actions in Ohio. So I, I think that's why guys don't respect him in that locker room it's never his fault oh before we before we move on to the next one uh yes or no he'll be fired before the end of the season or he'll quit do you think he'll make it through the whole year i don't think he'll be fired i think he will try to come back next year but then resign prior to the end of next year i don't think he makes it through the year Either they're going to fire him or he's going to quit or a health absence, whatever trick he has in his bag. All right. But 
you know no show is a show without talking about the Steelers. So clearly we know whose question this is. So uh, Aaron Rodgers got the best of Big Ben and the Steelers again last weekend with the 27 to 17 victory. God, he looked terrible in that game. Uh, neither quarterback have been back to the Super Bowl since they met in Super Bowl 45 way back in 2011. So it begs the question, since the Super Bowl that they played in in 2011, which QB's career arc has been more disappointing since then? This may be the unpopular answer, but I think it's Aaron Rodgers. One, Ben already had two Super Bowl rings before that Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers still only has one. And while, yes, he does have uh, two more MVPs since 2011, he's had no Super Bowl appearances like you just said. He's been the four NFC title games. He's got the big donut, 0-4, lost to Tom Brady last year. And that's my biggest argument. Big Ben was in the same conference as Tom Brady Bill Belichick and the Patriots during a 20-year dynasty in, in the past nine years. Only one year has Tom been in the NFC, and guess what he did? He beat Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, then went and won a Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers, if you were in the same conference as Tom Brady for the past 18 years, you may not have three MVP titles. You may not have a Super Bowl, right? I'm not saying Ben is better than Aaron Rodgers. That's not what I'm saying. I'm going back to the question, the career arc, who's been more disappointing since that Super Bowl? Aaron Rodgers. Because even though he has the MVP titles, he doesn't have the other hardware. You're supposed to be like a top five, maybe a top three quarterback of all time. And you have an 0-4 record in the NFC title game. You basically choked in every big game since that game. Right. No Super Bowl appearances. (laughs) Definitely choked against Tom Brady. And people after Super Bowl 45, like, they knew Aaron Rodgers had a much higher upside than Ben anyway. And that's why his arc has been more disappointing because, like, Aaron Rodgers was supposed – his trajectory was supposed to continue to to go up, right? And it, it did to a certain extent, but not to where we all thought. So the expectations, I think, is where he disappointed. And listen, we always say, oh, Tom Brady, a weak division. That's why he won. I mean, JT, you go back and look at that division that Aaron Rodgers has been in. Listen. Oh, yeah. Bar- that's, that was going to be – well, <laughs> obviously, I agree with you. I do think Aaron Rodgers has had the more disappointing career arc. And it's not even close. And I didn't mean to cut you off, but no, go ahead, you, were go stealing, ahead. you were stealing so much. <laughs> I just didn't want everybody to think I was just totally agreeing with you, but I really am. It is Rodgers and kind of where you were going. Like the division he played in has not been good over his time there. You know, like the Lions have never been relevant. Minnesota, they come and go, but they've never been a threat. The Bears have recently had some defensive success and, you know, but all those teams have been nothing. And then you look at Ben, he's played with the Ravens. They're always competitive. Like, there is how many of those years you guys are battling for who has the best defense in the league. And then whatever one's not the best defense, they're a top five defense. So he got to play them twice. The Browns are not competitive. He's got to play them twice. The Bengals have been competitive in that division. They've even won it since he's been a quarterback. Yeah, Mar- so, Marvin Lewis had a, exactly. quite a good stretch. Exactly. So it's not even close. And I think the main difference between why Aaron Rodgers arc has been a disappointment. One, you kind of alluded to it. It's the hype. 
Like, even though Ben has won two Super Bowls, nobody's trying to push him into the top five conversation of all time. Like, they just don't have that conversation about him. But Aaron Rodgers, every excuse is made, and they're trying to push him into that conversation without the hardware. And to me, that makes it disappointing because he has choked in every big game that would take him to the next level. And I'm sorry, like, easier division, better offensive line, more consistently than the Steelers have had over over the years. And it's debatable who's had the better weapons because Antonio Brown is re- and Le'Veon Bell are really only ones that come to mind that are, you know, all-time great. But you go look at Aaron Rodgers, all his receivers at the end of the day are going to be going to be just elite guys when they, when they when you think about it. But last thing I will say why I think it's Aaron Rodgers is I just think he he has been more trouble than he's worth since Super Bowl 45. And to me alone, that's disappointing. Like you, like you still acting like the kid that was in the green room at the draft, like get over it. Like you're a star, like you made it relax. Let's go yep. win the games. Yep. I had that written down too. the drama. Like, so that wait, way to cap that, that off. Um, speaking of quarterbacks, let's go to your guy, Lamar Jackson. All right. This week, John Harbaugh, head coach of the Ravens, said they will be submitting a couple of unpenalized hits on Lamar Jackson for the NFL to review. Now, Lamar Jackson has not received a roughing the passer penalty in his favor since December 2019. We're looking at almost two years now coming up. That includes, JT, 600 dropbacks for Lamar without receiving a roughing the passer call in his favor. So are referees not officiating him fairly? So I will take credit for this because this was my question, because when I saw this online, I was like, that's insane. You know, how can it is, it is, how could he not have a rough in the passer penalty since then, especially when we just watched the game against the Broncos where they were spearing him in the back for the whole game. Like it was ridiculous. I will say this. If, it, if you were asking me this question about Cam Newton, I would absolutely say that the referees are not officiating him fairly because it's Cam. Like, he's a big guy. Like, yeah. you can see those hits. I think part of the reason why Lamar doesn't get those calls is he's so fast. When's the, Name a time where you think that you've seen Lamar take, a like, a hit where you're like, he's, oh, my gosh, like, I don't know if he's going to get up or not. That's a great point. He's the Barry Sanders version at the quarterback position. Like, I it don't is. remember Barry Sanders ever getting lit up. Exactly. I, 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 I'm pretty sure he has, but I'm never yeah. – yeah. I can't in my mind say, like, oh, yeah, I remember that was a big hit that Lamar took, and I didn't know if he was going to get up. And I think because he doesn't take big hits, sometimes it's hard for refs in the moment to, first of all, call anything because you can barely even see it like he's just a, such a different player that it's just hard to referee those types of guys and that's why i was saying if this were cam it'd be easy because cam's not as fast he's bigger you can see that like more guys have to hit him harder to get him down but like dudes just aren't getting shots on lamar at, sometimes they don't even touch him at all and that makes it hard to call roughing the passer where you probably will see it on more of these pocket passers like a Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or Big Ben because you know they're not moving and guys are coming to them so I would just say like if he wasn't so dynamic it would probably have more penalties called for him yeah and and you look the other reason too JT he's only been sacked 79 times 
in his career. And that includes the four games this year. Like that's crazy. That, that's amazing. Like, and part of that's having a great offensive line. So when you have that, you're not going to take a lot of hits. But and, also part, part of that too is they are they've been like the most run heavy team right. in the league since he started right. since he's been a starting quarterback. So like less dropbacks would result in less sex. And true, but when you still have 600 dropbacks and not have one roughing the passer call, that is pretty incredible. But I think they are officiating him fairly for some of the, the reasons you mentioned in the fact that he has a great offensive line, so guys aren't getting there anyway. But I've got to go to Exhibit A, JT. I, I want to pull up Exhibit oh, A for you. again. Okay, here we go. <laughs> you know, every, every once in a while, you know, I, I've, yeah, got it, I, I've got it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've got to pull that out. So exhibit A, let's go to rule 12, section two, article 11, principle seven of oh, the NFL. Oh, you really reading it from a rule book? Of, of the NFL rule book. Up. Oh, this no. is for real. Y'all of, listen, listen. Of the NFL right, rule book. Okay. Principle seven in that. How did in you that, get that? Don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It says when the passer goes outside the pocket area, and either continues moving with the ball without attempting to advance the ball as a runner or throws while on the run, he loses the protection of the one-step rule of roughing the passer. So, and that one-step rule is big, right? Because as soon as he lets it go, they give him that extra step outside the pocket, meaning to the defender. So unless now the defender puts all of his weight and drives him into the ground or head hunts or takes you know three steps to hit him late he's not going to get that roughing the passer call so i think that's the biggest reason so i think the officials have been calling it fairly or have been calling it fair but i'm sure we could pull up one instance where there should have been roughing the passer well yeah i'm pretty sure i mean refs miss calls all day but i just think it's hard to officiate him also too i'd be we'll do more research on this i'd be really interested to see how many how many times of those 600 dropbacks he's actually been hit by somebody it probably will be much lower than you think so that's yeah. also probably why he's not getting them but because he's yeah, so good point. he's so elusive yeah he's so elusive like nobody's touching him so yeah we'll see we'll see if he gets one he definitely should have got one last week when uh the dude from the broncos speared him in the back for no reason but uh let's talk about something that i'll admittedly say i'm excited about i'm i think you kind of want to talk about this matt Nagy, chicago bears can we talk about this Sure. I mean, I don't really want to because it's so played out. All right, cool. He's cool. Go cool. Ahead. Nobody cares what you think. Go ahead. So this past I know, Wednesday, I know you Nagy, don't. I know you don't. Your name's first on the show. Chicago Bear head coach Matt Nagy uh, committed to Justin Fields being the starting quarterback for the foreseeable future. Uh, Bears are, I believe, two and two with the matchup this weekend against the Raiders. So Nagy has also been criticized for not properly using all of Justin Fields' talents Basically, what I want to know, is it time to fire Matt Nagy during the season? Listen, I think you already know what I'm going to say. I'm going to defend Matt Nagy. No, you, you can't fire him at this moment. JT, they're two and two. They're in the thick of things. He is now named Justin Fields the starter. He's admitted that Laser is calling the plays. So if he's truthful there... I know you like laser. I know other Bears fans want laser to call the play. So now here it is. All right. It's on a silver platter. He's named fields. Laser supposedly is calling the plays. So let's see what happens now. Right. 
give Nagy that opportunity. And listen, for all the things that we say about him or that people say about him, Bear fans say about him, what JT says about Nagy, JT, his record since he's taken over the Bears, 30 and 22. Doesn't sound great. It's still eight games above 500. <laughs> Two doesn't. playoff appearances. I mean, it really doesn't sound great, but okay. It doesn't, but when you think about it, eight games above 500 in the NFL for, with the Chicago Bears, that's impressive. Two and two this year, two playoff appearances. And, you know, we talk about Tomlin. He's a great coach, no doubt. That same stretch, JT, Tomlin is 30-20 with one tie. They're a game and a half apart. And Nagy has not had big men. He has not had Antonio Brown in that stretch. He's not had Le'Veon Bell. He's not had T.J. Watt. He may have had Khalil Mack, but Mack is not T.J. Watt this moment, nor Mack last year, bad. nor last year. So it's difficult to fire a coach at this point in the season. Like, who's going to run the show? Like, you, people act like he's been awful. He has not. He hasn't been great with Mitch, but I'm not sure anybody would have been that much better to have a, a significant improvement of a 30-22 and 22 record, right? Let him work with Fields. Let Fields have some stability this first year and see how it goes at the end of the year. Oh, boy. First of all, you're so wrong. And we're going to get into that in a minute. But <laughs> a good, good job with Listen, the records. To what, kind of make, but JT, what's it point. matter? What's oh, it matter? Hold on, hold on, hold on, how, hold on. What's it matter how it ends up? He could if you felt he was a great coach. Let's say Flores. I don't. Right? We both like I, Flores. I've, I've but called, if Flores goes, hold over, on. One of the most hold overrated on. coaches for hold, the past. Okay. Two and a half years now. No, so, but but so you he, did that after he went twelve and four. No one's overrating him anymore. So you got to stop with that. But let's say Flores. We both like Flores. What if Flores goes twenty and thirty in that same stretch? What's it matter that we like him? Oh, he's doing this great. He, who cares? It's about wins and losses in the NFL. Nagy has a, he's eight games over five hundred on his record. That's all. All right. So so here's here's what I look at. You, most people will say that Chicago's success since Matt Nagy has been the head coach has been because of the defense. So I'm going to give that credit to Vic Fangio. And they brought in Matt Nagy to be the offensive guy. So let's not try to lump the defensive success onto him as a head coach because that's just not how it goes. Now back to the original question. Should they fire him during the season? 100%. This is why. He is showing... <laughs> One, that he doesn't know what he's doing. He's shown it since he's gotten there on offense. And he's showing that in times of adversity, he can't put himself above the team. And he's showing that he does not want to commit to developing Justin Fields. This is the future of the franchise. You spent a first-round pick on this guy. Whether you like Andy Dalton or not, this is where the franchise is going. So guess what? If you want a chance to save your job, Get Justin Fields ready, and then I'm glad you brought he up is. Bill. He just I'm, named him on the fifth game named, of the year. He just named him after basically half the city of Chicago threatened him. You could say the same thing in San Francisco. You could say the same thing in San Francisco. I think if you ask most people, they will say that Matt Nagy did not make the decision; it came from above. I, I'm inclined to believe that, and then I'm glad you it brought doesn't up matter. Bill I'm glad you brought up brought up Bill Lazor. Matt Nagy called the plays for Justin Fields' first game, one of the worst games that. On, on record statistically bill laser called the plays this past weekend dramatic night and day difference you know why because bill laser was committed to playing to justin field's strength matt Nagy's like you know what i don't care what happens fit my scheme that's a bad coach 
And also, I'm glad you brought up the wins and losses and all that stuff. Matt Nagy, like I said, he is supposed to be this offensive guy. Came from the Chiefs under Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid. That's why they brought him here. That's what his whole legacy is supposed to be about. So glad you brought up the records because I'm going to give you some stats. He's been a head coach with the Bears since 2018. Let me ask you a question. Out of those since 2018, how many times do you think that the Bears offensively have ranked in the top inside the top 24? Let's say either points and yards for the whole season. I mean, it's only this is his fifth year. Mm -hmm. So in the previous four, I don't know, maybe once. Zero. (laughs) Never been top 20 in yards, never been top 20 in points. So guess what? You're you're putting the record success on him. That's all defense. That's Vic Fangio. That's why he got a head coaching job with the Broncos. So guess what? Your offense does not work because you do not know what you're doing. And the stats show it. To be honest with you, I didn't want to go there as much as I give Matt Nagy uh, not credit. I give him uh, shit for in the past. He's really starting to remind me of Adam Gase, and he's giving me that vibe, and that's what I see. Like, offensive players just regress under him. And you look at Adam Gase when he was a head coach, same thing. Never had a season where the offense finished inside the top 20 in either yards or points. And it's eerily similar with their attitudes. It's like, everything's about me. Nothing's ever my fault. And I am not going to adjust my scheme to the player's talents. I'm going to make them fit my scheme. And that is always a recipe for disaster. So guess what? If you want to protect your investment in Justin Fields, you better fire this guy now and surround him with somebody who actually wants to develop the game plan around him. Because Matt Nagy ain't it. Matt Nagy, I think, is trying to oddly save his job by showing that Justin Fields is not good. And that is just weird to me. And that alone should get him fired. So, yeah, he should be gone tomorrow. You talk about Adam Gase. You were the guy that was excited when he came to the Dolphins. You even said it was a good move by the Jets to hire him, which I thought was awful. So you can't compare Nagy to him. I said right? that. You you did. You, you got to go through that like, on that one. That, I don't well, say that. Well, you were fine with the Jets hiring him. And then Probably two, because he was going to be playing inside a division. And then <laughs> two. And then two. All right. You want to talk about top 24 rankings. JT, if we're being honest, you you don't like David Montgomery, all right? Tariq Cohen has been injured. Allen Robinson is the only, only NFL talent they've truly had there. But guess what? You need a quarterback to throw to him, and even you would not want Mitch Trubisky on the Dolphins. Let me, even, let me ask you a question. Even if question. we brought back Bill Walsh to coach him. I'm glad, you, I'm glad you said that. Let me just ask you a legit question. I know we going back and forth, and we had each other's necks right now. Be real. If Josh Allen were to go down today, do you think Mitch Trubisky would be better or worse than he was in Chicago? Probably a little better because he has Stephon Diggs and – he has Emmanuel Sanders. He has, I mean, Singletary and Montgomery are the same to me. But <laughs> Buffalo's right, defense, Montgomery. Buffalo's defense is pretty good right now. Now, it'd be a huge, my whole point, though, is it'd be a huge drop off from Josh Allen to Mitch. And that's what you can't forget. I, I agree with you in theory, but I think Mitch Trubisky would be much better because I think 
the offensive play calling is much better. Yes, he does have the weapon. Stephon Diggs makes a big difference. He wouldn't be much better. He's a little better because of the weapon. Stephon Diggs in the right system is – I'm not saying Allen Robinson is is him, but it's not that far of a drop-off. Like, if you took Stephon Diggs off of Buffalo and you put Allen Robinson in there, I think he'd do just as good. And I think it's because that's a good scheme that's coached by a good offensive mind. Matt Nagy's just not it. Or maybe Stephon Diggs is exploding, not just because of the system, but you have Josh Allen who can scramble and has an arm. All just I know is I think I play think, quarterback. I don't want to get off topic, but I think in Buffalo it's a little bit of both because until Stephon Diggs got there, Josh Allen hadn't had a 300-yard pass a game his first two years. But I'm just telling you, coaching matters when it comes to the quarterback. And I know everybody wants to we, – we, we've done it. We were guilty of it. Dumping on Mitch Trubisky for being just a terrible bust mainly because of who went after him in the draft at quarterback. But y'all got to start looking at Matt Nagy like he don't know what the hell he's doing because here we are, another quarterback that he can clearly play because you see when he, when he passes the ball, like the dude has accuracy. Like Justin Fields looks good, but Matt Nagy don't know how to use him, just like he didn't know how to use Mr. Trubisky. And I'm, I, we might not ever find this out on the Trubisky end, but I'm telling you, Matt Nagy, the issue, he got to go. Uh can we go to NBA? You got anything else to say? Uh, you can't wait for the NBA, so go ahead. Oh, of course, man. Fantasy basketball. You're going to be the same one blowing up my line, talking crap. So don't act like you're not ready for the NBA. I don't know but what you're talking about. You've been holding off on this, but we're going to talk about it today. Ben Simmons. So in Philly, the saga continues uh, with Ben Simmons and the 76ers. Simmons, who has not reported to camp and reportedly has asked for a trade, feels underappreciated by the organization. His teammate, Joel Embiid, uh, countered that with his comments that he feels Simmons' comments were disrespectful to the guys on the team who are working hard and that the main reason for signing Al Horford and getting rid of Jimmy Butler was because Ben needed the ball in his hands. Embiid also feels that the team has always built the 76ers around Simmons' needs rather than the needs of the team. So with all this drama, Ben wanted to be traded. Embiid seems to be throwing shots. Philly seems like they want him out. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, but tonight there is a wrestling match in Philly tonight, and they're screaming at Ben Simmons all throughout the arena. So clearly Mm -mm. he's not wanted there anymore. With all that being said, whose side of this feud are you on? Uh, JT, I'm on no one's side. I think both sides are being too sensitive in a grown person's business here, right? Like this is the NBA and beating you know Doc. You know what? That I like that analogy you use. Good job. I don't know where you pulled that from. Being sensitive in a grown person's business. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that on you right. anytime you get emotional <laughs> about things about fantasy football. Anything, or just in general, anytime you got an attitude, you act it out. Like, hey man, stop being emotional in the grown folks' business. I am sensitive. Um, listen, Embiid and Doc Rivers. Starts with them. They should have had Ben's back after losing in the playoffs last season. Even if they felt it was his fault that, yes, his free throw shooting was awful. They couldn't trust him at the end. In the post-game, post-series, post-season press conferences, you got to have the guys back. Like, you have to. He's a teammate. He's your player. If you're Doc Rivers, you got to have his back. Now, Ben, though, Ben Simmons needs to realize Everything the organization has done for him and everything they've done for the team is because of Ben, right? 
So Ben needs to realize it's still his team. So he has to take responsibility for how bad his free throw percentage is and get better, period. I don't know what it takes. I don't know how many hours, how many free throws you need to shoot. If you need to skip vacation, if you need to live in Doc Rivers' house, I don't know. But period, you got to get it done. You got to get better. And you can't have a worse free throw percentage than Shaq in the playoffs and then complain. The only guy that had a worse free throw percentage, I think, in the playoffs in the history or like in the past 20 years is Ben Wallace, another guy named Ben. Ben Wallace with the Pistons. Like, JT, Ben Simmons needs to get out of his feelings and get better at free throws. That's tough. I mean, he does need to get better at free throws. He needs to get better at just trying to attempt jump shots in the game. I still don't know how that's not a thing. But but the thing is, if he can it, forget the threes for now, because you're right, he's got no, to improve jump it. shots or just jump, jump shots. shots. But, but that aside right now, if you can make free throws, they can keep you on the court at the end. Oh, you become and that's much where more valuable. It, exactly. And that's where his ball handling skills will be able to create. Oh, he gets fouled. He shoots 80 percent. They're not going to be able to foul him. If you would have asked me this question before they had the meltdown in the playoffs, I would have said Ben Simmons 100%. It's, I'm not on – I'm on everybody else's side but his because I always felt Ben Simmons has been arrogant and entitled. You know, I, I ask you all the time, I was like, how is he not working on these deficiencies in this game? Like, yo, Lonzo Ball fixed his shot. He had the ugliest shot. He had that Michael Kidd-Gilchrist thing going on, and then now he's one of the decent three-point shooters in the league. Like – how are you not working on these things you're not good at? And then the playoff loss happened, and then I feel like everybody kind of turned on him. And I'm going to say 90%, I'm on Ben Simmons' side. And it's like, you can't – this is basically what happened. So they lost. Ben Simmons had one glaring moment where they thought he should have did something passing up on the layup where he should have dunked it instead. Okay, people make mistakes in games. Guys miss, guys miss shots. People turn the ball over. Shit happens. I feel like because of that, basically everybody turned on Ben Simmons from players, the organization, the city, the fan base. Everybody turned on him and they made him the scapegoat for all of Philly's problems while the process hasn't worked. And guess what? I'm on his side. So you're telling me I'm the scapegoat for everything that's gone wrong in Philly and now you want me to come back? No. Like, why would I do that? So. I feel like, you know, if you're in being in the six, you can't have it both ways. Either you, like you said, have my back and it's a team loss or you let me go. It can't be both ways. Like that makes no sense. But yeah, it makes no sense for either side. Yeah. I mean, anybody you would want out in that situation. Like if I was like, oh, this show sucks because you can't do your job. Please show up to do the show. Like you'd be like, no, nah, screw you. Like I'm out. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, good point. Yep. It's, thank you. But. Real question is, everyone pretty much thinks he's gone. Where do you think he'll end up? I think right now, I would say Toronto. Now, I've told you this from the beginning that he needs to go to a place that is rebuilding. He can be the focal point. They can build around him with shooters, with a big man that fits his um, qualities as a player in Toronto is that right? No pressure. They're rebuilding up in Canada. And the thing is the Raptors probably can give up Siakam 
Probably can give up your boy. Is it Malachi? Like Malachi. They can't Malachi. wait to find a trade partner for right. Siakam. For Siakam. Your guy, uh, Malachi Flynn. And that hey, may... Look, man. Look, don't be trying to call up my waiver wire stashes, man. <laughs> I, know, I know you said Malachi Flynn because you upset. Don't act like, oh, he's just such an intergical part of the team. That's why you brought him up. Stop being a hater. Those two guys just could be enough to package without having to give up rookie Scotty Barnes or a possible high draft pick in the future. So if I'm Toronto, that makes sense. And if I'm Philly, all right, we can get Siakam back. We actually get a, an all-star caliber player in return because right now I don't know who would want Simmons if he hasn't improved shooting and, and, with, his, uh, and with his contract. And I'm glad you brought up those points. No improved shooting and his contract. So I'm going to stick with the team that I said when we talked about this, I feel like a few months ago, it's the Warriors. I think they're the best fit. They are, they are the team right now that improves by getting him on the team if he makes no improvements to his game and they take him as is. I think he needs to be with somebody like a Steph Curry and Clay Thompson who are deadly with somebody like him on a pick and roll. He needs to be on a team that can do that, use his defense, and use his versatility, and they can have him on the court at any of the five positions. That's the right place for him to go. Except in the last two minutes. And I'm telling you, the Warriors They won't need him. That's the thing. The Warriors won't need him in the last two minutes, if it comes down to that. Hmm. I don't know. Because they'll be blowing cats out by 30 anyway with him. Not, But not when it matters most in the playoffs, in the finals. Yeah, they'll get it done. Hmm. All right, so let's go to everyone's favorite segment jt weekend predictions we have a few a few good games on tap here so let's start with the red river rivalry how i feel like that game is like early and earlier every year (laughs) (laughs) oklahoma and texas who you got uh texas oklahoma's had too many slow starts i think it's gonna bite them in this one I, I agree. I actually think it is Texas as well. I think Oklahoma's setting up for, for a failure here. All right, really the big one of the weekend, Penn State at Iowa. Who you got? Iowa. It's Kirk Ferentz. I mean, he's going to be there forever. He's a winner. I've got Iowa as well. Um, NFL, Cleveland at the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers home game. Baker's got a shoulder issue, and that defense is legit because they're healthy. Shout out to Derwin James. I've I've got the Chargers as well, so we've agreed on all of them. And then also in the NFL, the Bills at the Chiefs. Bills. I think they get it done. Um, Mahomes has been struggling. He's still turning the ball over, uh, and it's costing the team, while Josh Allen, the Bills, are just heating up, and their defense is actually legit this year. And KC's is not. So I know it's going to be a shootout, but I think Josh Allen gets it done. It, this will be his MVP candidate game. I've got the Chiefs at home. They cannot afford to lose this game. Their backs are against the wall. I'm taking Mahomes and Andy Reid over your guy, Josh Allen. So we agreed on all except that last one. JT's going with the Bills. I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs. Sorry, JT. I think you're going to go three and one. I, I I feel like I've been beating you in this pretty bad this year, so I'm not well, worried about it. You're going to have to look up the stats, the numbers, and bring us the records. All right. Uh, just for, so people know, whenever he answers like that, he knows he's getting his ass kicked. 
I, I have no clue. I haven't looked. I haven't looked. All right, JT, great episode. We got through a lot of NFL and some NBA in this episode. So thank you to the fans and listeners out there as always. And remember to please subscribe to us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio app, and wherever you find all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember, if you like what we do, please leave us a five-star review. And JT, if you don't like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And remember, please follow us on social media. Our handle, JT and the Don. We can be found on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So JT, great job, man. And until the next episode, see ya. Peace.